0: Good morning, everybody. Um, it's always nice to be asked to participate in any meeting anywhere, uh, especially that has anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon. Uh, we were here about—we're not sure how long—maybe eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. And we, but we were all over at the Sheraton then, I think. And um, we did the family meeting then. We talked at it and. Well, we lived together and made it this far, so we'll see if it, this meeting does us that much good later. I, I told somebody, I said, should we tell you now or later that we filed for divorce? So that was a bad joke, bad joke, bad joke. No. Uh, thank you to the committee and to all the people who have hosted us and, and welcomed us, as so many people do. Um, I, uh, my name is Karen, and I truly am a blessed al Um, My home group is Lake Whitney, Texas, the Al-Anon group there. And just in case you're not familiar with Lake Whitney, Texas, it happens to be the AA capital of the world. And we have one person that knows that. And we have this big sign in our clubhouse, and it says, Lake Whitney, Texas, the AA capital of the world. So, I I mean, it's even in print, so it must be true. And I think humility is their primary goal, but I think they're having a little trouble with that one. Seriously. Um, They say that when we're asked to share, that we're asked to share experience, strength, and hope. And that's what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. Um, And I will do that in a general way and as quickly as possible because we need to watch our time this morning. Um, I was born in a little bitty town called Whitney, Texas. That was before we put the lake on it. And, uh, And I was born to a couple. My parents had been married for 15 years and 15 days when I was born, and I'm an only child. Mother was 35 and Daddy was 41. And back then, that was really, you know, late to start your family, especially since I was the only one. And their lives changed when I came along, you know. um, If you don't have children and you're married, you probably run around with couples who don't have children. And all of a sudden, there are all these couples that have, you know, never-born children at that age, and there's me. And I was just, I mean, I was a dream come true. There were times, I believe, later that those dreams could turn into nightmares because, you know, I didn't always do what was expected of me. And if I had, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. So, you know, we qualify the minute that we walk in the door. I got ready to go off to college. There was no alcoholism in my home. There was not even alcohol in my home. My parents were very good Christian people. And uh, if the church doors were open on that little Baptist church, we were there. I didn't want to be there, you understand. I was just, that was what was expected. And my daddy was president of the school board most of the years that I went through school. and So I was not allowed to come home and talk about my teachers badly. He would say things like, it's really difficult to find people who will teach at the pri- at the fees and the salaries that they get and that really wanted to help the children and so i just was not allowed to talk about teachers well that sort of i thought that was sort of uh, not fair because all the other kids got to go home and tell on their teachers you know <laughs> but anyway i got ready to go off to school to college and my daddy said to me now precious that's what he called me he said there are three men that mother and i don't want you to date now, I knew that he was the smartest man in the world, but i didn 't know how i didn 't know he was psychic, and so um I thought, "How does he know who i 'm going to meet and he said, "We don't want you to date anybody that 's in the military because one of these days, Uncle Sam will want to move them, and he said, "What would we do if our baby had to move away and i said i don 't know." And um, so that didn't sound too hard. And he said, and we don't want you to date anybody that's a Yankee. (laughs) Because you know how those Yankees are. They come to Texas and, and, you know. And, and we think they're fun sometimes and sooner or later they're gonna go home and then you would have to leave. And I'd say, okay. Now, for daddy, that could have meant anybody north of Dallas because we (laughs) live, we lived 80 miles south of Dallas. And what I learned later was he just really, they didn't want me to go too far away. And, um, and he said, and for heaven's sakes, never date a Catholic. We didn't even have a Catholic church in that little town. We still don't have a Catholic church in that little town. And, and you know, I'm here, so you know what I did. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it was the only blind date that I ever had. Anybody here single? Singles? Don't ever take a blind date. My God, you could marry them and they could be alcoholic. You know, what can I say? <laughs> but um, anyway, I was, it was the year before my last year in school, and it was a blind date. And uh, he was he was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, he was in the U.S. Air Force. and he was Catholic. What can I say? <laughs> it was like and we were married for 15 years. I don't know where in that 15 years we were, but one day, Daddy and I were out going somewhere doing whatever. And uh, he looked at me and he said, "Precious." do you remember the time that we talked before you went off to school about, um, you know, who to and not to date? And I went, yes, sir. And, you know, and he said, now, at the time, I had no idea that he knew that my husband at the time was alcoholic. You know, I didn't even know it. How would he know it? And... Um, he said, I'm just glad I never put any more restrictions on you. And that's all he said, you know? <laughs> and so I guess I am too. <laughs> but um, we were in that marriage for 15 years, and I can tell you that it got quite crazy in that marriage during those 15 years. Uh, it got so crazy that I did crazy things. You know, there was a time that I pulled a 45 on my husband. And I thought it was loaded, and he did, too. And um, I pulled the trigger because that's the insanity that had gotten inside of me. Alcoholism is a family disease. It touches every single person that it comes in contact with. You know, he just wanted to drink and be left alone. You know, he uh, was a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, He was the top of his class when he graduated. He has the IQ of a genius. And today he's a night watchman. And that's the disease of alcoholism. He is also the father of my son. And through all those years, we hear such horrible stories. He has always been a good father to my son. And that's what matters. So today I have a lot of respect for him. And I'm grateful that he is in my son and my grandson's lives. And I'm also grateful that my husband is sitting at this table. And it isn't him. <laughs> 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 and he's really grateful for that, I might add. But anyway. Uh, I had moved back, to t- back home. And, um, you know, because when you crash and burn, you can always go home. I guess. At least that's what I thought. And so I went back home, and Mother and Daddy owned this little house next door to them, and they said that I could move in there, you know, and that I could do anything with it I wanted to. And so um, I did. And I was leaving. I wasn't going to be there very long. I was just sort of waiting for school to finish. That's because I had to move my son when when my ex-husband and I separated. And so I thought, well, that is, that's going to work okay because we will uh, just live there until school's out. So we did that. And somehow during the year, um, somebody says to me one day, now let me ask you a question. When's the last time you went to a Whitney football game? And that just wasn't anything I ever wanted to do to begin with. And they said, look, it's homecoming weekend. Why don't you come to the football game? You'll get to see a lot of your old friends. And I said, fine. So we did. I showed up. Uh, at the halftime, I ran into one of my old friends, Mary Beth, and she said, Oh, a bunch of the classes are having reunions, and why don't you meet me at front of the newspaper office later? We'll go, and you'll get to see kids you haven't seen in a long time. And I said, Fine, that would be nice. I didn't think it was going to be nice, but I was trying to be, you know, just cordial. There wasn't anything in that little hickey town that I ever wanted. You know, I used to say to God, if you'll just let me get out of here, God, I won't come back. And I was 16 when I left the first time. And I really meant it. You know, I only wanted to come back to see my parents. If I wiggle up here, there is a cord that is going right between where my feet should be. But that's okay. So I keep wiggling, trying to get comfortable on it anyway. So I showed up at the, in front of the newspaper office, or I tried to, and there was a street dance going on in Whitney, Texas that night. I didn't know they were having a street dance. Uh, I had grown up there, never had a street dance when I was growing up, I thought. And uh, so I said to the guy that was on the corner taking your money, I said, well, I'm going to meet Mary Beth, and I'm not staying. And he said, well, if you decide to stay, you come back and pay. And I said, okay, that sounded fair. And so I ran off and went on and I found Mary Beth. And in a little bit she, I said, you know, it looks like we're going to stay and I haven't paid. So I need to go and, and pay. And she said, Oh, well, me too. She said, I'm going to go to the car. And she said, I've got a beer, some beer in the trunk. And she looked at me and she said the strangest thing. She said, I don't suppose you'd want one. And I thought that was kind of funny that she said that. And I said, well, why would you say it like that? First of all, I don't want a beer. But why would you say it like that? And she looked at me and she said, well, you never were a whole lot of fun. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I thought it was the life of the party. She didn't know me after I left Whitney. But anyway, um, I said, okay, I'll go walk with you. So we went down and we got her a beer and we started back. And we're walking along. We're just talking. And she said, oh, my heavens. She said, there is one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. I said, who? She said, Don Maloney. And uh, she said, he and his wife had some trouble a couple of years ago. And, and she said, but, oh, he's just so nice. And she said, they made a, it was just all so fine, and everything is okay, and they're just as happy as can be. And I said, well, that's nice. And so we've gone up, and he's working with the Chamber of Commerce because he's a member. And they said to him, now they knew he was in AA. And and they said, now Don, you're not, we're not gonna, we're gonna put you here because you won't let people go in with a beer bottle. You know, because the bottles could be broken and then they'd have glass and then have a mess. And so he said, okay. And they thought he could be trusted because he was in AA, I guess. So anyway, I walk up to him and I said, I need to pay. And he said, okay. So he took my $2, that's what it cost. And he had to mark my hand. Now, I don't like stuff. I don't want stuff on me, you know. I don't want you to write something on me. I'm sure not going to. And he had this old marker thing, and he reaches over, and he takes my hand, and he says to me, when I mark your hand, you're marked for life. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, sounds like a happily married man to me, doesn't it? And... (laughs) Well, later, and I walked on, and later he came up, and um, you know how when you can feel somebody on the back, you know, of your hair, on your neck, and and I was talking to somebody, and when I finished, he said, "Hi, remember me? I'm the guy that marked your hand." I said, "Yes, I remember you," and he said, "Well, what are you doing here?" And I said, uh, "Visiting," and he said, "No, no, no, you don't quite look like you belong in Whitney." And I didn't know if that was a compliment or an insult. Sometimes I still don't know. But um, he said it was a compliment. But anyway, he said, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm living here temporarily. And he said, well, me too. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, what brought you to Whitney? I said, well, I'm just here temporarily. He said, no, 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 no. But why are you living in Whitney temporarily? I said, well, first of all, it isn't any of your business. And I said, but. If you must know, I just went through a divorce. And he said, me too. And I said, well, Mary Beth said that you were married. And he said, I haven't seen Mary Beth in two and a half years. Later, she laughed and she said, well, hell, if I'd have known he was single, I dang sure wouldn't have introduced you to him. I'd have (laughs) took him for myself. (laughs) But anyway, and so then he says, well, when did you separate? And I said, well, last September. He said, me too. And he said, well, when was your divorce final? Or April. It was in April. And he said, well, when was your divorce final? And I said, last September. He said, me too. Well, then he says, why did you get a divorce? Now, you know, it's one thing to go to certain places. But, you know, some people don't really realize that Texas is in the south when it comes to certain things like manners and uh, and that was a personal question, and I said to him, "That's a very personal question, and I don't, and I'm not going to answer it and he he says to me again, "Why did you get a divorce? He's a really good salesman. that's why he's in the real estate business, I guess. but anyway, he says, "Why did you do it?" And I just didn't know any better, and I before I knew what I'd done, I looked at him and I said. I was married to an alcoholic. And he went, me too. And he starts beating on his chest. He starts jumping up and down. Now, this is what I saw. The band stopped. They stopped the music. Everybody in Whitney, Texas, turned and looked and said, (laughs) and they waited to hear what we had to say. Now, nobody stopped the band you know, nobody was paying attention. But you see, I was the kind of person who had to stop going to football games because I thought when they were in that huddle, they were talking about me. And so, you know, you can imagine where I was with that one. And so, I, I, you know, I looked at him and I said, You were married to an alcoholic woman? I didn't know there was such a thing. He said, No, no, no. I am an alcoholic. Oh, Jesus Christ! And I said, "You're what?" And I mean, he said, "I turned white as a sheet and started backing up." I mean, I was gone. I was out of there. And I said, "I don't want. To, I don't want any more to do with you. I've just had. I had enough." And he said to me, "But I don't drink. I'm an alcoholic." He said, "I don't drink. I'm a member of." Al- Alcoholics Anonymous. and oh my! And I think he yelled it. I, you could have heard here if you'd listen. You know, oh my God! I thought everybody in Whitney's going to know this. My parents were pillars of that little community. It was not a great idea that I'd gotten a divorce to start with. It was certainly not a good idea that I was going to be talking to an alcoholic. I'd already gotten rid of one. And I must say to his credit, he was the one when the time came who said. We have got to stop this. You know, I guess I might still be there plowing through. But thank goodness that somebody in that home had sense enough to say, somebody's going to get hurt, probably him. And, um, you know, and I'm grateful for to that to him for that today. So then Don looks at me and he says... What you need is yourself a sober one. I said, no, I really don't. Thank you very much. And he said, oh, yes, you do. He said, how about if you and I go to dinner tomorrow night and then we go to a meeting? And I said, thank you very much, but I have a date. I'm not, you know, I'm busy. And he said, well, who's your date with? (laughs) I said, well, if you must know, it's with my attorney. Your divorce attorney and I said, "Well, yes, but it's final." He said, well, "I think that's a conflict of interest." I said, "I don't think it's any of your business." <laughs> and then he says something like, um, "Well, why don't you break it?" I said, "Well, heavens no! Why would I do that?" I said, "Anyway, he's a senator." Well. You know, today that might have a little different connotation than it did a while, but, you know. And he said, I don't care if he's the president. He said, I think it's a conflict of interest. Well, the president would make more sense now. But anyway, uh, I don't know, but I broke the date, you know. Um, and that's just the way it was. And this is 25 years later, 26 years later, you know, that we're in right now. So um, things have been working somewhere. <laughs> It didn't all go quite as smooth as you would think it might. Don had uh, he had five years sobriety when we met. Uh, I didn't know anything about sobriety. For all I knew, Alcoholics Anonymous was a place that you could go and drink. And nobody would tell. I mean, you know, just I didn't think about it. It just went through my head. When things go through my head, they usually come out of my mouth, and it doesn't always, you know, it doesn't matter where it comes out. It doesn't make sense sometimes. We, um, we dated for a year. I can tell you that uh, that first meeting that we went to, that first day, it was not a very good experience. Um, uh, We went to this meeting, and you would have had to have been a drunk to have found it. It was out in the middle of East Moses somewhere. And I'd lived on that lake all my life, and I had no idea that this place existed. So you had to be a drunk to find it. And we go in, and it was gray. It was painted gray on the outside, but the inside was gray. And the reason it was gray is... It could have been anonymous because there was so much smoke there. You couldn't see the guy sitting as close as Mike. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And smoke has always just done bad things to me. And I thought, I really made a mistake. And this man stood up, and he told this horrible story. And people laughed. And I guess tears ran down my face. you know. And I thought, I don't need to be here. There is nothing here that fits me. We uh, continued today. On the Saturday evening, and he and I would continue to go to those speaker meetings on Saturday night. And during the meeting, he went to uh, during the week he went to meetings, and you know, but you know, I might talk to him on the phone, or we might have dinner first, or something. But that it just was that wasn't a part of us, wasn't a part of me. And then he said to me, "There is a uh, there's a conference this weekend, and I'd like to have you go with me. An AA Al-Anon conference." And I said. Uh, Oh, I don't know. And he said, well, it's at the Baptist encampment where I'd gone to camp as a kid. It was bad then. I knew it had to be worse. And he said, no, no, it's, it's all new and it's nice and it, you know. And he said, would you, would you go with me? And I said, well, we'll see well I did and they put this horrible red shirt on me red's not my color anyway and it said red shirts which meant that if you were lost or you didn't know what to do they could say you were a red shirt and they'd say we're so and so I didn't know where anything was and they wanted to hug you oh god forbid I didn't even know these people some of them smell bad oh some of them it just wasn't the kind of place that I wanted to be and so, um, and they thought because I had this red shirt on, I guess I, anyway, it was not a fun experience. And I thought, I think I'm just going to leave and not come back. Nobody's going to notice I'm gone anyway. But it was the Al Anon meeting coming up and the speaker was going to be a, a lady who later became really a part of my life. And, uh, and that was Sally C. Um, uh, but the lady that got up to introduce her, talked about that when her husband had gotten sober, he wanted her to go to a conference with him. And she said, I'm not going to be one of those alcoholics." And he said, (laughs) okay. And she got there, and they had one color badge for one and one for the other. And they said, are you AA or Elanone? And she said, I'm neither. My name is Beverly R., and I wanted to say Beverly R. Visitor. I want you and them to know I am not part of you or like them. And they said, well, don't worry. We'll be sure to know that already. (laughs) And at the time, I'm sitting on the front row, probably about where Bill is, and Bob and Marcy White are sitting there, and then me, and then Don, and Mike and Gail, and Billy and Jerry, and it just went on down the line. And And the lady who became my sponsor reached over, and she tapped me on the knee, And she said, Precious, that's what you are. You're a visitor, and any time you would like to come and see what our program is, we would love to have you. And then Sally stood up, and she told my story. She was an only child, and she knew nothing about alcoholism. And she married a man named Keith Carpenter, and she fell in love with an alcoholic. And I had fallen in love with alcoholics, too. She told my story, and by the time she finished, they were laughing, and I had no more makeup on because and my lap was almost wet. I mean, she touched me in a way nobody ever had. You know, I thought, who knew my story to tell her, and why would they have all these people come for her to pull me in? You know I mean, they could have had an altar call, and I'd have gone right up, you know I mean, it was just after all, we were already at the Baptist encampment, they were used to altar calls. And on Monday night, I went with Don to a meeting. He was talking in Dallas, and, and I went with him. And I went to my first Alanon meeting. And uh, you, do you remember when your hand weighed a thousand pounds, and they said, "Is there anybody here for their first meeting?" And you wanted to raise your hand. You didn't want to, but just something inside of you made you do it. And. Uh, and all the people that were at that meeting, or a lot of the people, had seen me at the lake on weekends when they would come down for weekends. And they assumed, you know what happens when we assume? We all make mistakes. And they assumed because they saw me at speaker meetings on Saturday night in the AA room that I was going to Alan on during the weekend. I wasn't. You see, it was just a social thing that we were in, I thought. And I didn't want to have to, you know, be embarrassed if, when Don and I weren't dating anymore. And uh, me being his club, it could have been a country club for all I knew, but it wasn't. And uh, was it not a country club? That's for sure. But um, my life changed that day. I decided that you had something that I wanted. There was a light in your eyes. It was a gleam. And people were home when you looked into their eyes. Somebody was there. And when you looked into my eyes, I don't—I didn't know it, but nobody had been home for a long time. Because, you see, my life had gone to places that I didn't want it to go. It never went to places that my mother and daddy ever dreamed that I would go to or be. And I was a person who I no longer recognized, but I didn't know that. And um, my life changed. I I called Marcy on Monday morning, and I said, Marcy, I went to a meeting last night. She said, well, Precious, I was at the meeting last night at the lake. And I said, no, no. I went to the one in Dallas with Don. Because, you see, I was the kind of person, if it didn't work, I didn't want to have to explain why. And if I went to a meeting at the lake and then I didn't go, I'd have to explain why. And I didn't like them. You know the story. So anyway, and she said, okay, wonderful. I'm glad you went. And I said, they said I had to have a sponsor. I said, would you be my sponsor? And she said, nothing would please me more or honor me more than to sponsor you. And she said, however precious, I will tell you, that we will work the steps of Al-Anon as if our lives depend on it because there will come a day in your life that your life will depend on it if it doesn't now. And she was right. There came a time in my life that depended on that. I have a son. His name is Walter He was born in that first marriage. He is, uh, he's just a precious, he's just precious. That's all I can say. We have a grandson now, and uh, life has changed. When Don and I married, uh, Walter was eight years old. And Don has, there is so much a part of Don in Walter. That he's almost more like Don than he is his own dad, and he has wonderful relationship with both, and that's because of the program. Don and I hadn't been married very long, and we were building a new house, and we had bought this other house to build while we were—I mean, bought this other house to live in while we were building. And um, one night something happened. I don't know what it was, but he wasn't minding very well, and I said to him, "It's over." You know, building a house is a pain anyway. And I said, this marriage is just over. It's not going to happen. I want you out of here. And he said, well, my sponsor told me the last time, my last marriage, that I didn't ever have to leave again because if I do, they change the locks. And I said, I don't care what he said, out. And he wouldn't leave. I was packing his bags. I had a suitcase, and I was putting his underwear in it. And he said, you know, I'm not going to leave, so you just might as well unpack it, you know, because you're going to have to you know, unpack it in the morning. I said, well, if you're not leaving, I will. So I started putting my things in the suitcase. And about that time, he said one of those sweet things, like, were you going to go home to your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I realized she only lived four miles away, and I wasn't going to need underwear. And so I took my keys, and I got in my car, and I sped out of that garage about a 1,000 miles an hour. Because I have two speeds. Stop or go real fast. And uh, now, I want you to see this picture. This man's wife has just left him. And, you know, that's a big deal when your wife leaves you. I mean, she's gone forever. She's not coming back. And he's laying there and he thought, I didn't hear the garage door go down. And we were living in this house that we had bought. And so what was used to be the den next to the garage, we made the master bedroom. So he gets up. Now, if you, your wife had just left, do you think you would worry about your stupid garage door? But anyway, so he does. So he gets up, and he opens the door. And sure enough, you know, the garage door is up. I didn't take the time to close it as I was flying out. And so he reaches over and he hits the button and it goes down and it's going down, you know, and he says, it's going to, you know, how garage doors do, but then it hits something and it's going back up. <laughs> okay. We can close with a Lord's prayer. I said, enough. and, um, and so it, You know, it would go down and it would come back up and go down and come back up. And he thought, well, she left in such a hurry, she probably hit the trash can or something, you know, and it's in there. And so he gets up again and he pushes it. And he glances out, and I'm at the back of the driveway. I haven't really left yet. (laughs) I'm just sitting in the driveway, thinking, I suppose. And so he would hit the button and I'd go, you know, and then he'd punch it. And the power was added. You know, uh, <laughs> what can I say? That's sort of like our lives were. But you know, life got better. We did get that new house built, and and one morning he started to go to work, and we worked together. We've always worked together, and um, since very early on. And uh, he was about to leave, and I was telling him how it was that morning. I mean, he wasn't. One more time, he wasn't minding and uh things weren't quite going the way i thought it should now minding is not a word that i think y'all use around here i mean you know the children don't mind probably but but it's nice in texas if husband's mind and uh um, <laughs> they don't very often but anyway so i was telling him and and he was going to leave and i said i'm telling you how the cow ate the cabbage now that is really when you're going to hear it i mean that's the end right you're going i'm going to tell you how it is and you're going to listen and he just, Bob White called him when, early on to say, yes, no, and I got to go. And I got to go doesn't mean I'm leaving you I'm forever and I'm never coming back like me with a garage door. But it meant he was going on to work. He just had to get out of it before things elevated. And so I'm just right behind him, you know, in fact to where you could hear some, feel somebody on the back of your neck. And he says... He says that, you know, he was going through the house. And I said, you're not leaving yet. I'm not finished. And he said, i got to go. I'll see you later. And I'm right behind him. You know, and he opens the front door and closes the front door and goes out. And I open the front door, and I'm right behind him. And we, our garage was detached. And so he was right at the garage, and he opens the garage door. And all of a sudden, he turns. Now, I'm still talking. I know it surprises you. But, uh, but I'm still talking. And he turns around, and he looks at me, and he says, just look at yourself. I said, and I was in an al stance, he says, you know, <laughs> hands on the hip. And he, I said, what do you mean? And he said, just look at yourself. Look what's happened. And I looked down, and all I had on was a pair of pantyhose. <laughs> It's not worth the trip. Don't go there. <laughs> well, I just thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. You could, oh, you know, it's detached, remember? Oh, I thought I was, <laughs> I didn't, and I just, you know, and I ran back in the house, and oh, my God, you know, I had to get dressed, I had to go to work, and of course, we worked together. Sugar would not have melted in my mouth that day. I was so precious. Oh, can I get you something, honey? Oh, I just love you so much. Oh. And I fixed dinner that night. We don't even eat at our house. You know, we we build kitchens because, you know, houses have better resale value if they have a kitchen. But anyway, we didn't use it very often. And I even cooked dinner that night. I mean, you know, and we were sitting there having dinner. And I said to him, honey, I am so sorry for this morning. Oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Would you please forgive me? And he said, I didn't judge you. (laughs) Five or six years makes such a difference sometimes. Um, Well, he said, but Precious, it's not me that you need to apologize to. And I went, excuse me? He said, you know our neighbor, (laughs) (laughs) Jack Griffin? And I went, yes. He said, well, Jack, Jack had had a heart attack about six weeks before because he'd seen a rattlesnake in his front yard. (laughs) And he said, um, Jack was out there watering. (laughs) And I said, no. He said, oh, yeah. He said, the last thing I noticed was Jack was going. (laughs) He said, and he dropped the hose and walked away. Oh, Jesus. Well, we're going to have to sell the house. We're going to have to move out of the community. We're going to have to change our names. Oh, my Lord, this is not going to be. And I thought I'll never be able to face that guy again as long as I live. And all of a sudden it occurred to me that it was Monday. Jack and Marie were never at the lake on Mondays. They were back in the city on Mondays. So then I almost did kill him. I mean, to tell you, then I really had something to say to him, you know. But, you know, that's kind of the way our lives went, you know. But we can look back and we can laugh with those things today. And at the time, they were anything but funny. Anything but funny. I can tell you by Don having the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and him working his program and me having the program of Al-Anon and me working my program, that today our lives are so fun and exciting sometimes and uh, you know it's. we would not have the marriage that we have today if it were not for our program I can promise you that I don't always do the things that he'd like me to do he doesn't always do the things I'd like him to do but I can tell you that today there aren't many big deals that come down the path with us we I date. when uh, When we started to date and I joined Al-Anon, to sort of go back to that one, I said to him, what is it that is in Al-Anon that's, what's it about? Well, he didn't know what it was about. He went to AA. And he said, I don't know. He said, all I know is that I do know this, that I would not ever consider being in a relationship again, that... The, my partner did not have a 12-step recovery program of their own. And, you know, um, I think that's a great thing. And, therefore, my job was, if I thought that I wanted this relationship as all, I needed to go see what they were talking about. Now, I didn't go because I thought I wanted to be in the relationship with Don. I remember him saying to me, not too long after we'd been dating, something about um, being monogamous and just only dating each other. And he said to me, I can tell you this. I will never, ever go out with someone else while I'm in a committed relationship to you, behind your back or not tell you. And I thought, isn't that nice because I'm so precious. And he could, I mean... (laughs) After all, they could never get any better than me. (laughs) And and then he looked at me and he said, and I love you dearly, but that is not the reason that I wouldn't go. And it didn't make any sense at all to me. But a lot of things in this program didn't make sense when I heard it first. Sometimes they don't make sense lots of years later. But what he said is, he said, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had no self-worth. I'd lost that somewhere in self-respect. And he said, it has taken me this point of time to gain that back. And because of the self-respect and self-worth that I have today, I would not do that to a relationship that I'm part of. At the time, I thought, I don't think he thinks I'm number one. And if I couldn't be number one in his life, why would I want to be at all? But as time has gone by, I have learned to love that and honor it and respect it. There aren't, there aren't a lot of people whose lives, actually, we laugh and, and go on sometimes about, we have a lot of friends, we have a lot of couple friends. And I can tell you that at Lake Whitney, where we grew up in Allen on an AA, there are a lot of very healthy couples there. And, uh, and that's what it's about. It's about couples being in recovery. And, um, and we do respect each other. But we watch them. And they, you know, we watch them go through things. And then we can go through things. Uh, today, there's nobody that I can l- look around and see whose place I'd want to exchange with mine, you know, of all these couples. And they've all, you know, ours is the shortest marriage of all and we're going to have 25 years in a couple of months. And, um, you know, we're what we want to be today. We live in Mexico in the winter, and we live in Colorado in the summer, and we live in Texas in the spring and the fall, which is not long. Don says three, three days will take care of Texas in the fall, you know. But um, nobody, you know, our friends think we're all just crazy. You know, they just think we're nuts, and we are. But, you know, we're nuts together. And today we do what fits us. My son says, Mom, if it weren't for cell phones and emails, I would never have a clue where my mother is, you know? And I said, Yeah, but all you got to do is let me know. Don has a son and a daughter, had a son and a daughter when we married. Uh, Walter was eight, Christy was nine, and Matt was like 12. And, uh, you know, we've had these with our families, just like I think everybody else does. But the, the good thing is that we have 12 steps that no matter what's going on in our lives, we can take and put those steps into play, and we have something to work with. And it doesn't matter today what's going on between us. And it doesn't mean always things are perfect, because I will just tell you that they're not. But it's more perfect than anything you could have ever told me I'd get. If you said to me, make a list of all the things you'd like to have in your life, places you'd like to be, the husband you would like to have, the relationship. If you had said that to me 26 years ago when I came into these rooms, as you've heard before, I would have have cheated myself. Because today, I can look you in the eye. I can look my husband in the eye. They said this is a program of honesty. That doesn't mean that I tell them everything that goes through my head. And I sure don't want to know everything that goes through his head. (laughs) My sponsor says to me, when you're angry with Don, call me. Don't call him. Don't tell him. Because you know what? I know it would surprise you. But, you know, I'm just sort of right here. You know, if it's going on, let's just get it over with while it's here. And that's just not always the best way. I can't ever get that bad. I can tell you I'm sorry. I can tell you, to, oh, please forgive me. There's a little thing that um, when we live in Colorado and in Mexico, we have, we have wonderful home groups there too. But they close their meetings with a serenity prayer. They open them that way too. At first, I thought it was because they just couldn't learn two prayers. <laughs> but they have other reasons. But you know what? It sort of cheated us a little bit, and I'll tell you one. First of all, when we do something in our house, and when one does something that the other one, you know, whatever, shouldn't be doing, or we wish they hadn't done, or, you know, it's a tenth step. We say to the other, I was wrong. We grew up saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not the same as I'm wrong. And today I will look at him and I will say, Loni, which is my pet name for him. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Now, it works best. You know, they always say when there's one wrong, there's two. And um, if he says, oh, yes, precious, I will forgive you. And I was wrong, too. Will you forgive me? And I go, oh, yes, thank you so much. But he doesn't always say that. You know, (laughs) sometimes he'll say. Let me have a little time i don't want him to say let me have a little time (laughs) i say my part you say your part we were on our way to and i'm going to close with this but we were on our way to to a meeting one night and we lived about three minutes from the club we got in the car we were fine by the time we got to the club we could have killed each other you know and it, I don't know if you all are ever like that, you know. But, uh, you know, and what happens is we get out of the doors of the car and we go, Hi, how are you? Oh, ice cream! Ah, ah. You know. <laughs> and most of the time before we get back to the car, we don't remember what it was the fight was about to start with. But, you know, we could have killed each other in 32 seconds. And um, it was at that meeting that night. It was a speaker meeting on Saturday night. And when it came time, you know, for the Lord's Prayer... Somehow we ended up holding each other's hands. And I don't know if when it got to the part about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I don't know if Don squeezed my hand or if I squeezed his or maybe God squeezed ours. But I do know that we glanced at each other at that very moment. And it was okay. Since that time, I have never been in a meeting of Al-Anon or Alcoholics Anonymous when the Lord's Prayer was said that if he is in that room, it doesn't matter where he is. You know, I can just open my eyes and glance at him and he with me. And sometimes you can't always see each other, you know. doesn't matter. I just open my eyes and I know that it's okay. It's just a little tenth step. By the time we left that night, everything was just great. So when we go to PV, to Mexico, and to Colorado, and they close with a serenity prayer, it's really hard for me not to get a resentment. But they said it was okay. I had 12 steps, and I could deal with it. Thanks. <laughs>